buenos nachos. Corey, I didn't know you spoke Spanish. Are you fluent? No. I feel fine. Welcome back, everybody, to another turkey-filled episode of Not A Bomb. That's right, it's November, and so this month we are celebrating all the movies that are so bad they're good. We refer to them as turkeys. I am your host, Troy, and with me always is my bestest buddy, Brad. Brad, happy week two of November. How you doing, man? Wow, buddy. What a week. <laughs> I, uh, oh, <laughs> no my gosh. Oh, my God. Just... Huge exhale this morning, and uh, today was also my wife and mine an anniversary, so it was a good, great weekend. Great weekend. Well, happy so, anniversary, man, yeah, thank to you. both you and Natalie. So. Seven whole years, man. That's awesome. Can you imagine being married to me for seven years? Um, no. I, I get to go home and not have to put up with you in the evenings. So. Yeah. You have to put up with me for two hours a week. So uh, yeah. Consider plus, that a blessing. Plus all the uh, like 50 or so texts per day. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I'm not so. complaining. They're fun. Trust yeah. me. It's a good relationship. But so, yeah. So, this week has been great. Um, yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah. It's, and I'm um, super excited for our movie-ish. And, um, yeah. so <laughs> I'm super excited about the discussion. So, yeah. you started the month off with Miami, Miami Connection. So, that was a lot of fun to talk greatest about. Greatest movie ever. Um, greatest ninja movie ever. Maybe. Biker Maybe. gang. Yeah. Ninja biker yeah. gang movie ever. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, great hybrid. So if, if you're going to start a month and you're going to talk about the um, best of the worst, that's how you do it. So that was episode 21. Episode 22, which we're recording tonight, um, was my pick. And I, I'm telling you, Brad, there's a lot of different things um, you can go when, when you're trying to go for bad films. And I really feel like it's so easy to just pick out the bad action films and the bad horror movies. I mean, that list uh, goes on forever. And I, I wanted to do something a little bit different, so I chose a comedy. And tonight we're going to talk about wrestling, right? With, uh, I believe, it came out in the year 2000, Ready to Rumble. And we couldn't do this episode without a guest. And we went all out. So I know a lot of you who come to our website, um, notabombpodcast.com, you will see another website on there. Friends another with podcast. Cinema. Another podcast. Yes, yeah, sorry. Not a website. <laughs> um, you will see another podcast on there. And it is done by a gentleman named Alex. And he's um, done a, a fantastic job. He just got done doing um, the same kind of thing we did in October, talking just about scary films. And his latest episode was Little Women. Um, so I am happy to welcome our great friend, Alex McAllister from Friends with Cinefits. How are you doing tonight, Alex? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. This this is exciting, man. I'm excited. Um, I wouldn't say great friend. He doesn't like to scream, so he can't be on the great friend list. So oh, I was I wanted to start there real quick. So just we've been beating up Alex without him um, present about his review of Scream. So That's apparently true. every other film that he tends to review... And, and the way you review these, Alex, is you got a grading scale. You want to explain this grading scale to everybody? Yeah, so I rate everything a 1, a 2, or a 3. And that scale does kind of fluctuate depending on my mood that day. Which, 
could explain the rating for Scream. So one is what? Just a, a bad movie? You don't like it? Yeah. So so far we've only had one one, and that was The Last Airbender. I am not in Oh, God, that should have been like a negative seven. <laughs> I agree with that. Yeah. And um, a three is like top tier, right? So two is middle of the road average. Is uh, that how it works out? You know, it depends. Two could still be really good. It just doesn't have that that one thing that pushes it over the edge. And that's oh. that's what I would say Scream is. Um, I I don't have the nostalgia for it that you guys nostalgia. probably do. I it's just not... watched it for the first time last month. So what do I know? Um, what horror what horror movie starts off better than Scream? What's no, a better the opening is incredible. I will admit okay. that. Um, but I've been going through and watching all the classic horror movies because I hadn't seen them, and I watched Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and then Scream, and then Nightmare on Elm Street, and I liked both of those better than Scream. Uh, and that's that's fair. I get Nightmare that. on Elm Street better than Scream. It has my favorite death in a movie. The Johnny Depp bed death? Um, no the okay. the first girl is the first death that like um, Tina. Yeah, Tina. That's her name. Um. You think it's still all just a bad dream, and then she wakes up and she's screaming, and then her belly gets slid open, and then she like flies up to the ceiling. I wasn't expecting that, um, so I loved it. All right, okay. Yeah. So you're not you're not ready to publicly change that rating of a two for Scream yet, and bump it to three. I am not prepared to do that at this. Time. Oh well, it was great having yeah, you on the great show, episode, Alex. guys. Good job. <laughs> no. Hey man, I, I you call it nostalgia, we call it um, good taste. I don't know, good taste, quality <laughs> filmmaking, whatever you want, whatever you want to say. But okay. you know, uh, this is this is a good segue. So every time we have somebody on the show, um, and I, I'm sure everybody could really understand your film tastes and kind of know what type of movies you like. Um, obviously, not Scream. Um, I like Scream. <laughs> okay. But what we like to do is we like to start out with just a few questions and so that everybody can sort of get a feel of what your personality is like and what your movie taste is. Um, and uh, Brad and I are, are going to ask you five questions. Now, Alex, you you don't know what these questions are, yep. so um, we're going to spring them on you. And the idea of this is, you know, try to pick that um, first reaction. Think of it like a Rorschach, you know, uh, ink block test, right? Okay. Okay. So you ready? You ready to play? Sure. Okay, so I'm going to take the first question. Are you ready for this? Yes. Okay, here we go. So, first question for you, Alex. What is your favorite film from your least favorite genre? Um, so, I guess we can start with what's your least favorite genre? My least favorite genre would probably be like chick flicks or whatever. The, the romantic comedy? Yeah. Um, okay. And then... My favorite would be, I just watched um, Crazy Stupid Love, and I really liked it, and it has Ooh. Ryan Gosling, and I... Hey, I, we are pro-Ryan Gosling on this podcast. Great. Yes, we are. Yeah. Yes, big um, fans. Yeah, I watched it thinking it was going to be stupid, and then, I don't know, I it was very charming, and I really liked it. That's a good pick, man. Yeah. What about I, you I guys? Like that. Is that uh, how this is going? Are you guys going to no, answer as well? No, oh, we're hey, not, this is not our this is our podcast. We'll okay. we'll ask the questions. Okay, okay? I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Brad, you're up. Uh, who's your favorite Ninja Turtle? 
And why? Okay, so don't hate me. But I was born in 1996, so I never really watched the Ninja Turtles. Oh, 96, Ooh. good God. But. Man, young. I watched a few episodes <laughs> on YouTube today because you guys asked other guests in the past and I wanted to be prepared. So, wait, wait, wait. You've never even seen, like, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle movie? No. Holy. <laughs> N- none of the turtle movies. No. Um, so you you just went back and watched YouTube versions of their cartoon series. Yeah, then. yeah. Um, oh wow! I'm well, I'm with, curious what your answer is going to be. I'm going with Donatello. Why Donatello? Um, because he had like the staff, and I think staffs are pretty cool. And then um, he was like the smart one and kind of techie. And I work in IT, so I just liked him. Okay, I okay. can see that. That fits. Yeah, I think Donatello, being as smart as he was, liked Scream too. Um, I, was, I don't know. I haven't talked to him. I think he had a huge crush on Rose McGowan too. I think. Wow. I think yeah. so. I think yeah. he did. Yep. Um, oh, so third question. You're doing great, Alex. These are good answers. Thank you. So, if Hollywood made a movie about your life, who would you like to see play the lead role as you? Um, Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks. It, I'm very young and he's old, but I like Tom Hanks. Um, so wow, you're yeah, going Tom like Hanks? A, you want to be nominated for an Academy Award? Like you want your film to be Best Picture? Like I, wow, okay. I want to see wow. him. That's play a little kid. I guess he did that in Big. But, yeah, Big. Um, I I want to do him him to do that now that he's older. So, if, have you seen his old like his? Um, his films when he's just coming out, or even the sitcom he did, Bosom Buddies, no. or like Bachelor Party, none of those. Boy, Splash. those. Mm. Are, do you, so you think like young Tom Hanks would no, pull Tom Hanks Alex now. Oh. Tom Hanks now. Yeah. Okay. All right. Tom Hanks is what, like three or four, three and a half times your age probably now? <laughs> yep. I think it would be a good movie. See yeah, okay. Try yeah. to connect with me at my age. I like it. Okay. I this like next it. question should be very interesting. So you were born in 96, right? <laughs> yes. <clears throat> okay. What was the first movie you remember seeing in the theater? Um, the first one I remember was probably the SpongeBob movie, which I think that was like 2004. <laughs> um, so I probably seen movies before then, but I remember it starts out, it's like live action and it's pirates. And I went with my buddy Derek and we were like, we're in the wrong movie. Like this isn't animated. This isn't SpongeBob. And I like, I almost started crying because I just wanted to leave. And then it turned to SpongeBob. So, Wow. <laughs> hey, but that's a good movie. I'm it not... is. Scarlett Johansson mm-hmm. does a, a voice in it. I like it. It's funny. It's pretty good. I remember taking my kids to it. I laughed quite a bit. Did right, you ever bro, you just want to kill yourself, Troy? Like, I feel so old. Like... <laughs> no. I feel wise. I don't feel okay. old. I feel wise. All right. You got the uh, last one, man. Last one. What is your favorite movie bomb that you would recommend to everybody? Uh, the nice guys that you guys already. Oh made. yeah, yep. That was your pick. That's yep. why we uh, we did that one. You'd wrote in and and wanted us to talk about it. And I think um, if I remember correctly, you recommend that one all the time, and everybody gets it confused with the other guys, right? Yes. Um, ah, such a good such a good movie. Yeah, great it, pick. Man. It is and. Whenever I still talk about it, everyone says that they love the other guys. They're like, oh, that's such a good movie. And then I'm like, yeah, Ryan Gosling's in it. And then they're like, you mean Mark Wahlberg? And I'm like, you're still (laughs) thinking the wrong movie. That's how it happens. Um, So 
speaking of great films, um, we will probably skip those for the next few shows and just stick with our current theme, um, which are, you know, just uh, bombs, truly bombs, turkeys, like the worst of the worst. Um, and tonight we're, we're kind of going into an interesting subgenre of film. And this was my pick. And so Ready to Rumble, and we'll talk about this when we talk about thoughts of the film. I, I've seen this in the theater. Um, had a chance to actually. I saw it in the theater too. Yes. Met David Arquette a few years ago. Um, and just fantastic. It, it was a highlight of when, when you're meeting celebrities. But um, this falls into a genre, I think, of um, wrestling films, but it, not wrestling films in that movies just really focused on the sport of wrestling. This isn't really, the wrestler. Yeah, we're we're talking about movies in general where a pro wrestler is trying to come over into Hollywood. And there's been a lot of examples. Um, if, if we're talking about like bad films in general, one of the worst movies, but also the most fun to watch with a group of people, I think, is when Hulk Hogan, um, at his, the height of his wrestling career, decided to make um, No Holds Barred. Which Suburban was, Commando. I would go with that one. Really? Over yeah. No Holds Barred? Okay. But he, I mean, he tried to, to, to yeah. jump right over. Um, and the quality of, of that transition, not so good. And Troy, but I thought it would um, do what? Real quick. I yeah. watched No Holds Barred at your house. You introduced it to me. We did. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. So wait, wait, wait. <laughs> can, can we explain real quick for the audience so that we don't like have this minor on our show about <laughs> how we know Alex? Can we yes. please explain that? Because I feel a little creepy. I'm so, like, 23 <laughs> years old. So. Okay, sorry. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's not a minor. So, but, Alex, I've known you for, my goodness, almost um, 17 of those 23 years. Yeah. Yeah, my gosh, long time. So, Alex's family and um, my family used to live on the same street back in southern Indiana. Um, Alex grew up with my kids. Um, in fact, he's babysat my kids yep. <laughs> on many occasions. Um, but no, that, that's how we know each other and, and, um, known Alex for, for a long time, watched him grow up. I, I feel like some of your movie tastes I've had a little bit of an influence on. You I know definitely you're... have, um, <laughs> okay. I, I wanted to bring it up, but like I, you are the reason that I'm so into movies, I would say, um, cause you had a movie theater in your basement, and I thought that was the coolest thing I've ever seen. And then um, whenever I got in high school, I got a job at a movie theater, and then yeah. it just kind of kept going from there. My my favorite uh, Alex and Troy adventure is when you visited out here in Baltimore, mm-hmm. um, and we went to D.C., and we went to the Air and Space Museum. And I don't, I don't know if you remember this. I they do. had recreated the White Room from 2001 Space Odyssey, now, you hadn't seen the film at, by that time, correct? I had not. Yeah, so I'm flipping out over this thing. <laughs> We're walking through, and Alex is like, well, what is this? And I'm trying to explain it to him. But um, I know you've seen that now, right? Yes, I love and it. And you love it. Yeah. Okay, good. It, it, wouldn't it so cool to see that in real life, man? Yeah, I wish I would have seen the movie whenever <laughs> I saw it. But, hey. A little bit of context would have helped. Yeah. yeah. No, it was cool. cool to see you nerd out about it. Oh, yeah, I did big time. Lots of pictures. Um, so back on track, one of the things I thought before we talk about ready to rumble is I I think the three of us at some point have kind of dipped our toes into wrestling fandom. 
I know I grew up on, you know, the Hulk Hogan eras, the the Roddy Piper, Macho Man Randy Savage, you know, that kind of stuff. Mine was more I, of Stone Cold Steve Austin, The Rock, the Attitude Era. And yeah. Alex is probably, what did they call the thing after the Attitude Era? I don't know, but it was okay. Edge and Christian, the Hardy Boys, um, Triple H was still there, okay. Batista, Randy Orton, John Cena. Yeah, see, so yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, more Alex stories. Like my favorite thing is him and another neighbor kid, Blake, um, used to get into the trampoline with their stuffed animals, and they would recreate wrestling matches. And I could just stand on my deck and watch them for hours. They were absolutely hilarious. It was so much fun. Yeah. Um, so I thought what would be what would be fun before we talk about Ready to Rumble is what is your favorite movie with a professional wrestler when they kind of tried to break over um, into you know mainstream film. Um, and it doesn't necessarily have to have played in a movie theater. It could be direct to VHS at that time period or, you know, streaming or something of that nature. Um, because, you know, a great example is WWE has done an amazing job, I think, of creating their own film label. Mm-hmm. And they've got some I, <laughs> mileage may vary based on their output. But, you know, I'll, I'll throw out their a runner up um, is the rundown with The Rock. I mean, that's a WWE film that he starred in. And I think everybody had thought at that point he was going to take the action mantle from Arnold Schwarzenegger. You know, there's that even that scene where Schwarzenegger passes him in the bar. But I thought it'd be interesting before we talk about Ready to Rumble. Um, do, do you guys have a favorite film that stars a professional wrestler? I, I, I'm going to start with you, Alex, since you're the guest. What, what's your pick or do you have a couple? Yeah, so I wanted to go with the Peanut Butter Falcon, but the wrestlers in that were kind of before my era. It was Mick Foley and Jake the Snake Roberts. Um, mm-hmm. But that's a great movie. But my pick is going to be Blade Runner 2049 with Dave Batista because he was more my era of wrestling. I loved Batista. My dad always called him Batista, and it made me <laughs> so mad. Uh, but he's incredible in that, and it's a great movie. That's a good pick. Peter Brown Falcon movie. is a great pick. I know you did that as a reference on one of your podcasts yeah. in terms of your weekly pick. If anybody has not seen that, Shia LaBeouf, LaBeouf, whatever however you say his last name, Shia, um, it is the one movie that made me think, oh, wow, that guy is a really good actor based on that film. Yeah, he's awesome in it. Yep. All right, Brad, I got to know you. I think I know the actor, but I'm curious what movie you're going to pick. So I have two, because the first one, I I assumed maybe you were going to take my first one, so I I, I came with another one. It's the 1988 sci-fi action horror film, They Live, John Carpenter. Amazing movie. Um, Love it for its uh, scathing indictment on Reaganomics, um, and it's great. It's great. Alex, you're looking at me like, "Mm mm-mm. Never heard of it. Wow. Wow. Okay. Well, oh, no, it's cool. It's cool. It's one of Carpenter's kind of lesser-known film, but it's freaking amazing. Um, yeah, when I you think see, you'll love it, Alex. Yeah, I, I really think do. yes, yes. Um, my second one was going to be the 2000, and I believe it's 11 uh, Fast and Furious film, Fast Five, which I think is a fantastic heist movie. I don't like the Fast and the Furious franchise at all. Uh, but I do like Fast Five a lot because I think it's a great heist movie. Um, and um, The Rock makes his debut in that. And I think uh, I think out of the series, that one is the standout for me. So Those are good picks. I mean, if, if I were going to pick a rock film, I already mentioned the one. It's The Rundown. I love that one with Sean William Scott and Christopher Walken. 
Um, that's the one where I really thought after seeing The Rock in it, the, this guy, you know, is just is going to be making the best action films. I can't. I mean, I'll be the first to say I don't think he's topped the rundown, um, but I do like him in the in the Fast and Furious. Uh, my pick, it's it's funny, Brad. I I immediately my knee jerk reaction is They Live because that movie is so good, and I love Roddy Piper. He he was my favorite wrestler um, growing up, and and as always my favorite wrestler. But um, that used to be my favorite Roddy Piper film until I discovered two of his other films, um, and it is 1994's Back in Action. When he did that film with um, Ty Bo himself, Billy Blanks, and then the sequel, Tough and Deadly in 1995. So these, I believe, I don't know if they got a theatrical run, but I discovered him just um, watching them um, on home media. And what you just got to think of is, you know, think of a lethal rep, a lethal weapon ripoff. That's exactly what these are with um, Roddy Piper and Billy Blanks, and they're so much fun. And I think the action's actually really good in back, uh, back in action. Tough and Deadly has one of the most ridiculous training sequences. Um, I, it has uh, Richard Norton in it too, which I love him as well. Uh, you might know him from a lot of Cynthia Rothrock films. But if you, these are hard to find. I like own them on Laserdisc. Because <laughs> so, of course you do. Yeah. Um, What's and Laserdisc? I, I, oh, <laughs> no, you know I'm what Laserdisc are. <laughs> Um, and, and I don't even know if there's, if these movies are streaming, I know in the UK, they put them out on DVD. So, so you had I, to have an all region player. I to think do I've seen, is this the one where like the sister is like involved yes. with the mom? Okay. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I, I think I, I haven't seen it. I didn't, I haven't seen the I didn't know there was a sequel. So oh, yes. after this, I think I'm watching the sequel to, uh, <laughs> back in. Go back and watch uh, back, back in action. action. Back in action is one of those that um, I go back and, and watch on a regular basis. And it can't I be know, better than they live, man. Come on. It can't be uh, for me. It's just so much fun. I mean, I know. they lives great, but um, it's got Billy blanks doing his martial arts. So I'm always going to gravitate to Roddy Piper putting a beat down on guys while Billy blanks over there face kicking people. Um, you know, they're playing in my wheelhouse on those films. So, um, yeah, I, man, I really kind of wish I'd pick like Tough and Deadly or Back in Action. But you know what? I didn't, and I'm going with this pick. <laughs> so it's 2000s, ready to rumble. Um, I wish starring, you would have picked something else, too. <laughs> oh, what shot. I'm glad you starring picked this. David Arquette and Scott Kahn. Um, Brad, how about you give us a little background? Because the whole premise of our podcast is to talk about movies that bombed, either critically um, or financially. Or, or I believe both. in this case, both. <laughs> um so when this sucker got released uh, back in 2000, how did it do? Well, Troy, you know how you lose money? You have a budget of a film of $24 million and you gross half of that in a theater. $12.5 million. million. Yeah. Where's 24, where is the $24 million in this movie? Someone tell me where they spent $24 million. Catering for Oliver Platt. Yes. His, <laughs> his drinking budget, I think. Anyway, uh, released in April uh, 7th of 2000. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes comes in a little unkind to this movie. Um, 23% on Rotten Tomatoes. And boy, some of these reviews are um, scathing. Um, I, I don't like this word and I don't really want to say it. But one of the headlines I thought was kind of funny, and I again, forgive me for saying this, was ready to retarded. And I was like, oh, oh I wow. kind of, yeah. So, uh, yeah, not great. Not great. Um, 
Do you want me to tell you what came out around the time of April of 2000? Because there are some stinkers. Boy. Y- yeah. Um, I was actually looking, before you get into that, when you're talking about the reviews, um, if you look at the Metascore reviews and the snippets they take from that, they're pretty brutal, too. Um, the Saloon one? Uh, yeah, or Salon. So Salon, I'm sorry. Yeah, it <clears throat> says, let's be real clear about this. You've got to be suffering from some major trash culture brain damage to a, to enjoy a movie like Ready to Rumble. That's a taste of these like 10 or so reviews. Um, Chicago Tribune says, will come off as insipid, unfunny, and too serious at times for its own good. They, that, Man, the critics just did not like this thing. I can't imagine why they wouldn't, Troy. <laughs> I don't know, but what was what was playing in the theaters when when this sucker came out? Um, again, so April of two thousand, boy, I was uh, I think I was I was in high school at that point in time. There, Alex. <laughs> um, so you have U five seventy one, which actually is is pretty good. I think is that one the one? No, that's Dust Boot is like fourteen hours long. Yeah, U5- no, U5 was the was the Universal um, submarine yes war movie is really yeah. good. Yep. Uh, Frequency? Do you remember that movie? Yes, with uh, Dennis Quaid. Quaid, yes. Fantastic science fiction thriller. Uh, so good. Where the Heart Is, which is Natalie Portman and I believe Ashley Judd, I want to say. I think so, yeah. I went to UK, so I have to know every Ashley Judd movie. It's just kind of... So. Yeah, you can't you can't live in Kentucky unless you do, right? Nope, nope. Okay, uh, Gossip. No clue. Yep. Uh, the Virgin Suicides. Uh, Rules of Engagement. Which um, was Samuel Jackson, I believe, and uh, uh, Tommy is Lee Jones. The, yeah. Okay. Right? Yeah, yeah. That's yep. right. Uh, Keeping the faith, which is Ben Stiller and Edward Norton, which I had forgotten that movie even existed. Oh my gosh! I totally with uh, Jenna Elfman is the love interest, I believe. Yeah. Isn't it like a uh, yeah? Okay. Okay. Um, love and Basketball, which is actually a halfway decent movie. Yep, that's pretty good. Uh, Return to Me. With David Duchovny. Great film. Like, if you, Alex, if you want to find another, like, chick flick that's really good, check that one out. Okay. And that's about it. Um, there's not really a standout there, is there? Uh, Love and Basketball might be, I mean, that's a pretty important movie now, I guess. A lot of people like it. I don't, but. Yeah, I'm, I feel like U571 might have been the big hit out of that month yeah probably yeah i I remember it doing really well wow um 12 million on a 24 million that's interesting that's very interesting i don't Um, know where they spent 24 million dollars on this movie i i don't i don't i agree with you um we'll get into a little bit of backstory about how this got made but are any of you familiar with the director brian robbins do you know this guy i've seen too much of his movies in 95% 95% of them are hot garbage. <laughs> he sucks. I'm sorry. This guy sucks. Yeah, uh, he's my favorite director. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, he's not. He's Varsity, Blue, Varsity Blues is his only good movie. Well, Good Burger is okay, but Varsity Blues is his only good movie. Wow. That, o- over Norbit? Norbit sucks, Troy. We're <laughs> not having this conversation. We are not doing it. Didn't he do Norbit- the shaggy dog? Yeah, Norbit yes. sits at a 9% on Rotten Tomatoes. Like, this guy's Rotten Tomato average is like 25%. <laughs> yeah, he's he's not um, a great director. He's got 22 directing credits under his belt. 
um, according to IMDb. You you guys have talked to some of them. He did Good Burger in 97, Varsity Blues in 99, which was his big hit, right? Mm-hmm. And I think critically and, and box office-wise, it did really well. The critically, it's like 53. Like, it's Well, middling. that's a home run for yeah, this that, guy. Yeah, this guy, that's his, <laughs> that is his coup de grace, you know? Yeah. Um, Ready to Rumble in 2000. Uh, Hardball in 2001, The Perfect Score in 2004. Alex, you brought this up. The Shaggy Dog, which was a Disney remake. Um, Tim Allen was in that one in 2006. He went on this string with Eddie Murphy. did Norbit in 07, Meet Dave in 08, and A Thousand, Worlds, a Thousand Words in 2012. So, Do you know guy, the backstory on A Thousand Words? No. What's the backstory? Literally, they shot that in 08. It comes out in 12. So they shelved it for four years. I've you, honestly, I have not seen any three of these. You haven't seen Norbit? Murphy. Like you really haven't seen Norbit? No, I haven't. Oh, no. it's bad. Oh my really? god! Yeah. Like, is it so, really bad? It's embarrassing. Like, from what I remember, come on, dude. It's Eddie Murphy, and you're like, dude, you are debasing yourself here, Eddie. Like, it is. Ah, uh, well, now I got to see it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like that and Pluto Nash might be the ones where you're just like, dude, what are you doing? Huh? But okay. Well, what about the writer, Stephen Brill? I'm not familiar as much with him. Yeah, well... I'm surprised there's a writer for this movie, to be perfectly honest with you. Yeah, well, it's written by the guy who, in 1992, did The Mighty Ducks. And then came back in 94 and did D2, The Mighty Ducks. In 95, <laughs> did he, he did, did, he do did the trilogy? Heavyweights. Yeah, he did, did, he did D3, The, the Mighty yeah. Ducks, in 96. Um, followed it up with uh, Ready to Rumble. And then um, Little Nicky, the Adam guy, Sandler film, same this year guy. as Ready to Rumble. This guy yeah. sucks, too. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Walk of Shame with uh, Elizabeth Banks and James Marsden. Dude, he did movie 43. Yeah, he did. <laughs> Holy Christ. Hey, Brad, we're, we're picking the turkeys here. Oh. I went all out for you, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> These two guys um, are like the exacta of crap. Sorry. Oh, Sorry. It, no, you're right. So... That's that's behind the camera. In front of the camera, I, I really think we have an interesting cast here. So when you look at it on paper, you wouldn't expect to see these people come together, um, I think, on, on page, right? I, I mean, if somebody had told you Oliver Platt and um, David Arquette and Rose McGowan and Martin Landau were going to get together. Martin effing Landau is in this movie. Academy Award winner Martin Landau. North by Northwest, Mission Impossible. He's yeah, like the best. He's like one of the best parts of Rounders. Like, yeah. So you got you got David Arquette, Scott Kahn, um, Oliver what? Platt, Rose McGowan, Martin Landau. Which is fascinating to me. Martin Landau in in the so w- wins for Ed Wood. Have you seen Ed Wood, Alex? No. Okay, that's got to be on your list soon. Okay. It, it's, it's a Woody Allen movie, so like Ed Wood, isn't Ed Wood Woody Allen? No, no, sorry. You're thinking Crimes and Misdemeanors. Yeah, sorry, Crimes and Misdemeanors. Woody Allen, Ed Wood, Tim Burton, Ed Wood Tim Bur- about yeah, yeah. the filmmaker. Sorry. Ed Wood, I know. Yeah, I Martin know. Landau plays Bella Lugosi. It, it's fantastic. It, it his performance is amazing. Um, the movie you're referring to, which is an awesome Woody Allen film, is 1990s Crimes and Misdemeanor. He was nominated for Best Supporting on that. And the year before, he was nominated for Tucker, The Man in His Dream, which is a great film, too, with Jeff Bridges. Um, Car- uh, no, sorry. Joe Pantoliano. So Joey Pants. Joey Pants. Cypher. Um, yes, from The Matrix. Caroline Ray, 
um, plays Eugenia King. And I just listed, there's a lot of wrestlers, and we'll talk about the time period when this came Rose out. Rose McGowan was in what movie, Troy? Um, she was in that Grindhouse movie, right? And she was also in Scream. <laughs> oh, that's right. But that's that's a really underrated film, if it's you fair, ask me. A lot of a lot of people we know don't give it enough credit, but yeah. I really wow. love that film. Officer wow. Dewey, also yeah. in that movie. Uh, Such a good film. <clears throat> what do you... What do you think about David Arquette's filmography when you when you sit back and look at it? I, I keep forgetting he's in so many of these things. Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Road Racers, Wild Bill in 95. Um, did the Scream films, which I hear are pretty good. Uh, Never Been Kissed. He was in a Muppet movie, Muppets from Space in 99. 3,000 Miles to Graceland. Um, I think this is about the time. I can't remember. He was married to Courtney Cox for a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I think the way the story goes is they were married... Or they got together in Scream, got married in Scream 2, divorced at Scream 3? Or 4, I think, or something like that. Something like yeah. that, yeah. Um, I know you love this film from 2001, Alex, C-Spot Run. I love it. Um, <laughs> I don't know if it's good. It's kind of like this, Ready to Rumble. I used to watch those like on repeat growing up. Um, and so that's why I was glad to do this, because I hadn't seen it in years. But yeah, C-Spot Run... I remember loving it. They like break dance or something. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, great. Um, Eight Legged Freaks, 2002. What about that one? I actually think that movie is kind of fun. Eight Legged Freaks is great. Yeah. I mean, it's I would say it's great. Film. It's No, it's, it's great. It's, it's fun. Fantastic. It's fun. It's a fun movie, but great yeah. is. Well, okay. So this one from 2008. I'm telling you right now, Brad, this, this movie is going to be on our show. Oh, Hamlet 2. Hamlet 2. We are going to talk about this next year, 100%. It may, may, be, it may come up in January. I don't know. It's on our list. Um, I put it on our list. I think it's on our original list. But that movie is freaking hilarious. Um, and as many times as I see it, I still laugh all the time. Um, this one was interesting, too, because it's... It, I don't know if you, if either of you have seen this. I think you have, Brad, but 2015's Bone Tomahawk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's on my Kurt list. Kurt Russell. Yeah. yeah, so good. Um, but he's he has had a very interesting career. Um, and if you look at where he was coming up in the in the I would say early '90s, all the way, and and obviously he comes from a very famous family of actors. Yep. Um, and then Scott Kahn, I looked at his filmography. I mean, I think for the last ten years he's been doing the Hawaii Five O TV show. Yes. And I only remember him from the Ocean movies. So he did Ocean 11, 12, and 13. I guess he had worked in Varsity Blues in 99. We have to say he's this, also the son of a famous actor. He's James Caan. Oh, James Caan. James Caan. Let me see. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Okay. I was yeah, going to no, say, yeah. even I know who that is. Yeah. Well, have you seen... Little James, let, me, let me check. Have you seen Alien Nation with James Caan? No. Okay, so there you go. Um, lo- you're losing your street cred, Alex. I'm sorry. I'm just kidding. I like how um, we have two the two main leads. It's always good when they're like, boy, I'm sure they had to really struggle to break into Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, obviously, this, this movie is riddled with tons of wrestlers from, at that time, the WCW. You've got Bill Goldberg, Dallas Page, Steve Borden, also known as Sting, right? Randy Savage, Kurt Hennig, um, or Henning. Is it Hennig or Henning? Henning. Henning, okay. Bam Bam Bigelow. And I didn't know this, and I think I remember finding out about this because I'm a big Ray Mysterio fan. Mm-hmm. 
and he's in the beginning of this without the mask. So um, that's interesting. And there's there's other wrestlers in here, but these were the ones that I think kind of pop up the most. We could play a really sad game too. What's that? Uh, whether this wrestler is alive or is they dead? Because oh, okay. half of them no longer with us. I know that's sad, man. Yep. Um, interesting. So this film, before we get to kind of talking about the thought, it it is an interesting history because it was done in conjunction with promoting a specific wrestling franchise. Um, and that was the WCW. So Ted Turner. What, yes. What was supposed to happen was, you know, they were trying to promote the WCW and increase its fan base. And apparently at this point in time, when this film was made in 2000, um, they were losing their fan base. They were losing to WWE, etc. And what's interesting is this film comes out in 2000, and you know they back financially this film, and WCW would eventually go out of business in 2001. March 23rd of 2001. I looked. Yeah, it and and when we talk about David Arquette a little bit later, because I think when we talk about Ready to Rumble, you're primarily talking about David Arquette and his love of wrestling. But um, this was supposed to really get him into WCW a little bit. I think at that point in time, he ended up becoming, what was it, the world heavyweight champion as a result of a, uh, I don't know what you would call it, stunt? Marketing stunt? Yeah, it's a marketing stunt, yes. It's a marketing stunt. Um, but hey, hey, Troy, do the fans really like that? I bet they really they loved it. They hated it. <laughs> yes. So the golden rule about wrestling is you can have Hollywood dip your toes into wrestling. And, I mean, let's face it. Everybody um, at some point that – I don't want to say everybody. There's a level of actors that dip their toes in wrestling. And it's weird because you can, you can take a wrestler and they can move into Hollywood. And you get people like The Rock – but this fandom base, they really don't like Hollywood coming into it because it's a sport, it's um, very athletic, and they don't like the fact that Hollywood would just kind of come in and use uh, their name or their own individual marketing to kind of promote themselves within you know the hollowed ground of, of wrestling. And so when Arquette came in and did this promotional stunt, marketing stunt, to, to promote the film, which the film was supposed to promote the WCW, it didn't go well at all. At, well, not only fact, did he like come in, but he won the championship belt. So like he did. Mm-hmm. Yes. Like you know, I think maybe if he just comes in and wrestles is one thing, but he literally became supposedly like the best wrestler in the organization because he had the championship belt. So yeah. they might have overstepped their bounds like twofold. It's a big no no. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um some other interesting things about this film. Rose McGowan admitted she hated this movie and never wanted to be into it, like, in the film. Um, oh, really? Because you can't tell at all. <laughs> yeah, she threw the script away, like, three times, and, and eventually they got her into it. The other interesting thing is if you know wrestling. So wrestling is, um, I don't know how you would describe it to somebody who just isn't into it. It's it's like uh, the male version of a soap opera, more or less, in terms of its plot twists and everything else. Is that, yeah, is that with, accurate? Yeah, with homoeroticism abound <laughs> yeah no i mean um, yeah they call it sports entertainment now um they kind of broke that the is wrestling real or fake they basically just come out and say hey no it's fake but you know these guys are still athletes they're still putting on a show blah 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 um yeah 
So yes, it's a it's a soap opera for guys. I mean, women enjoy wrestling too, um, but yeah, it's 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 an athletic yeah. soap opera. And the plot of Ready to Rumble is actually stolen from a well stolen, borrowed heavily from tons of other wrestling plots that occurred because you've got the matches and then you got all the things that happen in between the matches that lead to the next match, right? So the way Jimmy King loses his title in the film when he was supposed to have won as a spoof of the infamous Montreal screw job back at WWF Survivor Series in 1997. Brett the Hitman Hart, Shawn Michaels. Yep, Bret Hart was supposed to have retained the title from Shawn Michaels, but was heavily conspired against and lost in an unscripted manner. So, you know, they're they're pulling from real life, I guess, in the wrestling world. And then Jimmy King is betrayed by his son. Really, we don't have to worry about spoilers for this film. This film, it has no dramatic surprises. But when Jimmy the King is portrayed by his own son, Frankie, it's based on a similar storyline with Ric Flair and his oldest son, David. Um, and there's tons of these little tidbits. So this entire wrestling film, Ready to Rumble, is just regurgitated wrestling stories that would have happened in and around the ring within the WWF, WWE, um, the WCW, whatever franchise it was at that time. So with that, guys, are you ready to talk about Ready to Rumble? I'm really super curious about this one. Let's do it. Okay. Alex, I'm going to start with you. Okay. Your initial reaction on this sucker. You've you've already kind of played your hand a little bit when you talked about C-Spot Run. Mm -hmm. But um, what are your thoughts on this one? I loved it. Um, I can tell Brad probably didn't. I don't think it's a good movie at all. I'm going. <laughs> Brad's gone. I, I would agree with you. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it's good at all, but I had fun with it. Um, I don't know. It was just refreshing. Some of the jokes were, like, so bad that I laughed, and I think that's what I see as charming in it. Um, yeah, I don't think it deserves a 23% on Rotten Tomatoes, but I don't know. What about you guys? Well, I'm I'm curious. I'm gonna I'm gonna turn this over to Brad because I get this energy from Brad on some of these films, <laughs> <laughs> and and when he starts to get a little worked up, I start getting some texts or you know we might be talking and I get hints of things. Um, Brad, I'm I'm really curious about this one because you you know about this film. I know you saw it in the theater, but now we go back and we rewatch it. Uh, I don't know if it's it falls in the nostalgic camp for you, um, but what. How did you react to Ready to Rumble? So I, I saw this in the theater when I was uh, 17 years old, Troy. Um, I am a 37-year-old man now, uh, and this movie sucks. It sucks <laughs> so bad. It was embarrassing. Like, embarrassing how David Arquette, all he does in this movie is yell. Like, that's his only stick. Is I'm just going to yell. And I just, I could not get past anything. And then all of a sudden there's this weird gay panic joke at the very end where it's like, hey, I can say I love you and that doesn't mean we're gay. And you're yeah. like, what? What? And let me tell you about the shit rock that's in this movie too. Boy, we get lit twice. They play My Own Worst Enemy twice in this movie and we get two <laughs> kid rock songs. I'm like, no, we are not doing this. This movie well, think, needed, this movie needed to stay. sister is in it. What? I, yeah, I think um, the drive-through. So the girl that um, he they're originally going after in the beginning, yeah, the blonde at the drive-through. I think that's Kid Rock's sister. 
I, I just, I, I, this movie is so 2000, like it is <laughs> embarrassingly bad. Like it, it just needs a 20, like <clears throat> 23 is like, how do you find 23 out of a hundred people think this movie's okay? Like, mm, I don't know. <laughs> I had a joke about the twin towers showing up in this movie and that being the most offensive thing that ever happened to him. But I thought eh, maybe not, but <laughs> yeah. Okay. So just had to verify. So I, it's Jill, Suzanne, Richie. Younger sister of rapper, singer, songwriter Kid Rock, and that's one way Brittany to describe Kid ready Rock. To, ready to rumble. So there you go. I wasn't crazy. Brad, I, I feel say like racist. you don't like Kid Rock. No, Kid Rock's a. I love Kid, or I used to love Kid Rock growing up. <laughs> <laughs> um, wow, Brad, that's uh, so. The, that leads me to a follow-up question. So we know it's bad. I mean, I, Alex said it was a bad film. Um, is it so bad that? You just can't enjoy it. I mean, there's. Well, I mean, you didn't laugh. You would or? hope. No, I did not laugh. Not once. But you would hope, like at least the wrestling was good, and there's really not enough wrestling in it. And so I looked. Like WCW Monday Nitro averaged somewhere between like ten and fifteen thousand people in the like place where they the had arenas, it yeah. in the arenas. Mm-hmm. Literally, when they have show it here, it's like five hundred people. Like, they if couldn't that. get enough if extra that. people to, like, put on a halfway... Like, one of these things is a pay-per-view. So you think, oh, this is a huge event. You know, maybe 25,000 people. No, we have 500. It's like, what? What are we doing? We can't even get a full arena to put on the atmosphere that this is important. Wow, that's harsh, man. He's coming movie, out of the gate This swinging. movie sucks. I mean, come on. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna disagree 100 yes. percent with you. Um, so if if Miami Connection is the Miami Connection of ninja films, right? So it 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 just is the bottom of the barrel for ninja films, but it it's so bottom of the barrel. There's a charm to it, or it's fun. Um, then Ready to Rumble is like the Miami Connection of wrestling movies or what I would call man child comedies. This, this is, this falls into that other subgenre of comedies, the man child. So, you know, Seth Rogen's played these characters. Dumb and dumber is kind of the quintessential. Dumb and dumber. Exactly. So you've got the, the, the main protagonist or your heroes of the film, the people you're following, they just haven't graduated past like eighth grade. Um, probably the mentality of a 14, 15 year old. I mean, that, that's the man child comedy, right? Put them out in, into the wild. I think once you get past the gross man-child humor in the beginning, and I'm specifically referencing like when they go get a new oh the shit truck the shit truck the septic tank jokes um, and the farting nuns uh, that are you know that show up once you get through that because it's the man-child bottom of the barrel stuff, and when you get the the three main characters on the road, which is David Arquette, Scott Kahn, and Oliver Platt, when when they come together on the screen, that's when this movie has some charm. And I think it's really funny. And I laugh hysterically during a couple of different parts to it because it just comes out of nowhere. But you really have to get through what I think is some really bad jokes. Although in hindsight, as many times as I've seen this thing, I still chuckle at a couple of them. Come on, um, Troy. You're a grown adult. Come I on. I am, and I absolutely. So here's the thing, though. All of us have been, uh, I guess, at a, a live wrestling match, right? Yeah. I, I remember my first one. I saw Hulk Hogan um, go against Macho Man Randy Savage in Wichita. You, you guys have all been to one, right? Yeah. Oh, a couple of course, of yes. 
how crazy is everybody at these things? Yeah, I mean, but they they come out there and they say it's all fake, etc. But I sit next to people when I would go to these things, and they were all into it. I remember taking Cameron to his first one, and the couple next to us, whoever was uh, at that point wrestling, was losing, and this woman was bawling her eyes out, um, <laughs> just going nuts because he was going to lose the title at that point. Um, Seamus or somebody, I don't know. He was the Irish guy. Yeah. Um, Wait, Seamus is okay. <laughs> I, yeah, I think okay. that's, is of that course. the wrestler? Yeah, there, there's a well, whole, when we grew okay. up, there was an Indian wrestler, and his name was Tatanka. So I guess we can't really, you know, they play into stereotypes. So okay, yeah, but I, so this movie, what it embodies, I I really do think like this is David Arquette's film, and it oozes of wrestling fandom. And so if you want to get a taste of what a, a person who just goes gaga over wrestling, this is your movie, and I, that's what I but love this, about it. This movie, like downplays and makes fun of its fans like so yeah. much that's what i was gonna say is it like, hates it hates the fans of wrestling who is this for because it should be for the fans of wrestling but they're just making fun of them the whole yeah. time i d- no I troy don't so. no i don't i don't are, i don't know they are making I'm fun not, i think they are making fun but i i think people would look at this and go david arquette's character specifically the whole wrestling's not fake line mm-hmm. um <laughs> dude that's how these people who really get into wrestling um they look at it as an athletic play right it and they but that doesn't it. play in 2000 like they were already coming out and saying no this is sports entertainment it's not real but it doesn't mean these guys aren't athletes like they weren't but wrestling fanaticism plays up to the hype that they portray in this film you can't deny that. In 2020, 2000, pick a year. Wrestling fanaticism, whether they called it publicly or whatever, it is, it is on full display anywhere you go. And if you go into these live uh, arenas or live shows, it's still like that today. I haven't been in years, but I have to imagine it's that mm-hmm. way. I guarantee, Alex, help me out here. I guarantee that I cried whenever I found out wrestling was fake. <laughs> like, when Santa, you're just like when Santa Claus isn't real? I do like, oh, remember no. when I found out Santa wasn't real, but... Yeah, I like I was one of these crazy fanatics. I was much younger, so you know it's kind of different than David Arquette's character. But um, I do see that. I don't know. I still think it's making fun of them for being that way. It, like they don't pay homage to the fans that are like that. They make fun of them. I I'm not disagreeing that they don't have a lot of fun with the fans, but what I'm trying to say is. David Arquette is, I think, an accurate representation of a subset of wrestling fans. Yeah, I agree. And is you don't have to make fun of you don't really have to kind of go, well, let's take that up to a hundred. He's literally a shit person. <laughs> what, what is that? So he drives a so the joke is the septic tank thing, and once that goes away, I know, but it, it's like he, I don't know. You can't. Okay, you can't tell me. The chemistry between Oliver Platt, David Arquette, and 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 Khan isn't infectious. There's some charm there. What? No. Oh my no, god. No, not at all. No. You're not because you if you put David Arquette in there, it automatically just destroys everything. Are you not a David Arquette fan? No, I do. I like. I think he's great in Scream. I think he's great in Eight Legged Freaks. But in this movie, he is just up to eleven the whole time, and I can't deal with it. <laughs> 
I that's can't what I love it. about it. No, that's what I love about it. He's so annoying, Troy. Come on. No, he's funny. Funny. Don't. Yeah. I, don't roll your eyes at me. Funny. <laughs> <laughs> Alex. All right. Mom and dad are fighting, so we'll be done in just a minute. <laughs> um. So the Jimmy the King character, you, that whole back. Okay, let me give you an example. There, there's stupid comedy throughout this whole thing. I totally get it, but there's also some smart comedy, right? So when they meet Jimmy, Troy, the this movie ends on a sizzle reel of people getting kicked in the nuts. It is <laughs> not smart. That, that's it is where not bread smart. and butter is. That's where it's bread and butter is, right? But you can't. So I'm still smiling when I t- when I just think about this scene. They're looking for Jimmy the King, right? And they're trying to track him down. And they go and and find his parents. And then the parents are like, oh, we haven't seen him. Or, you know, going through all of this other stuff and talking about his backstory. And they start correcting his parents by, you know, mentioning the official autobiography where within the autobiography, the the dad's dead, but his dad is standing (laughs) right there. Which that dad actually happens to be David Arquette's father in real life who passed away soon after the film. But that whole sequence m- makes me laugh out loud. It's just, it's absurd, but it's hilarious. And yet, I know there are people out there like that. I, I just know there are. You didn't laugh, Brad? No. Alex, did you laugh? I did, I did. Thank You're like, you, Alex. Well, that's not right, because you died in a plane crash. or It was something like yes. that. I was like, that's funny. It's hilarious. Yeah. Brad, where's your funny bone? Obviously not here. <laughs> <laughs> This is going to be a short podcast, man. We're going to sit here and just talk about all our... Okay, so the sequence that gets me every time is the dinner date between Arquette and Rose McGowan. I love it. It's so dumb. Everything within that is hilarious. I will say that I've never seen my son, even recently, when when she jumps on top of him and takes her top (laughs) off and he yells out foreign objects and just smacks her... Right, I, we laugh hysterically to the point that I mean it's hard to breathe. That is, uh, that is slapstick comedy genius right there. It's hilarious. And thank it, you, Alex. Instead of bringing her flowers, he brings her bananas. I don't know why, but that is <laughs> so. He said funny. that the flower shop was closed. Yeah. Yes. But that is so funny to me. And then um, he says Buenos Nachos, and she asks, "Are you fluent?" And he's like. I don't, is he like no do i look okay or he's like no i feel he's fine like, no, i feel fine yeah <laughs> i that's uh. if you gotta i mean i get it you may not like david arquette and if you don't this is not your film but david arquette dialed up to an 11 to me is extremely funny and i'm with you alex i i would watch c spot run mm-hmm. i think that's a funny film i think this is his best one it's it incorporates his love of wrestling and We'll, we'll talk about a film that he did this year, uh, specifically around wrestling, but you can't deny that he has a passion for the sport and he went all in on this character and just trying to play the most fanatic wrestling um, fan that, that exists, and I think he pulls it off. He's the funniest thing about this film. Well... I really like uh, the Sal Bandini, I think is, yeah, Sal yeah. Bandini. I mean, the little bit that Martin Landau's in there, I think is a lot of fun. Um, and I, I just love that whole concept of Sal Bandini. You know, going back to the basics and this old guy teaching him how to wrestle. Nobody can beat him. Yeah, Martin Landau pissing all over his legacy is great. 
<laughs> he did not. Oh, my God. You can't say that, man. He's fantastic in this. You didn't like Alex, him help in, me the, in the hot tub in the back of the stretch limo with two beautiful ladies on, in his arms? No, no. So, okay, <laughs> explain this to me. So there's a scene in this movie where they break into one of the shows and David Arquette stumbles into the dressing room and starts looking at all the girls. Does he not say naked the yeah. whole time? And None of them are naked. naked. For, but for the man-child comedy, that's supposed to be funny. He couldn't have said, like, boobies or something, but he had to say, na- like, he, he's so man-childish he doesn't know what naked is. Well, that's probably the most naked he's seen. Obviously, when Rose McGowan was naked, he smacked her off the bed because it was a foreign object. So there you go. Okay. You're still not buying this. Wow. I'm not. Bad. No, no. I mean, Alex, come on. Help me. You got to help me convince Brad that this movie is comedy gold. Brad, what is your favorite joke in the movie? Do you have one? Oh, there's like a one. So his dad said something about he was in a car driving. And he said something about Michael Bolton. And I think that made me smile a little bit. There's like a Michael Bolton joke at some point in time. I think I. Smirked. Wait a minute. Whoa, 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 whoa. What? what? <laughs> so hold on. A Michael Bolton joke <laughs> makes you laugh. It's just, I, no, I mean, it just kind of made me smirk a little bit. So I, I don't know what to say to you, man. So, okay. So explain to me the, the climax of this movie because, okay, wrestling. Yes. Determined, <laughs> determined, you determine the outcome before the match even starts, right? Um, ex- well, yes, typically, okay, so, but that's so, different this time. So we're, ta- we're taking the, we're going, we're, we're taking into the account that they're actually really wrestling at the end of this. Right? Yes, because yeah. he went to Sal Bandini and learned real wrestling. So they're really wrestling. Really wrestling. Okay. Yeah. You're going to tell me that Fat Oliver Platt <laughs> is actually going to fight Diamond Dallas Page. Yes. On a triple cage. <laughs> yes. And he's going to be able to walk out of there, both of them. Both of them are going to be able to walk after doing this. From that intense, week-long core yes. training. <laughs> yes. I didn't, get a, Bandini. He yeah. I didn't get the, pretty out of shape. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> that's all muscle under that. Whatever that is. That's all muscle. I mean, I, I don't know, man. It's like the, the climax. It's like, there's gotta be something because they're trying to play in both types of wrestling. It's like, okay, we're going to kind of come out and say, no, wrestling is fake, but no, the end of this movie, it's not fake. They're really going to wrestle. They're really going to fight. So it means something. Um, I don't know. Like that just seems a little bit weird to me that they're they're going in kind of both ways. So I saw a video where Diamond Dallas Page talked about what the alternate ending was. Did you guys? Are you familiar? Yeah, with you want to talk about that? I um, that was pretty interesting. I've I've read that article and then he's gone on and talked about it. That apparently. He had submitted an alternate ending mm-hmm. with the filmmaker. So you want you want to talk about that? Yeah. So what his ending essentially was going to be um, was that it kind of was all staged and just David Arquette didn't know it, I guess. Um, and so like at the end, they're just like, "Hey, you did a good job in your first show. Like, welcome to the business or whatever." Um, at least that's what I thought he was getting at. Troy, you yeah, they were like supposed to more. meet in a bar after the film. Yeah. 
and Jimmy the King and Diamonds, Di- Diamonds, uh, <laughs> Dallas Page sits down together, and they start having a drink, and they're they're talking, and it and it freaks you know um, David Arquette and and uh, uh, Scott Kahn's character out, and the the whole idea of it is that it's it's just show business. It's all they're they're not really mad at each other. It's all a performance. Um, but they kept to the original ending of just going from "Yep, it's all fake" to "Nope, we got to get you know Jimmy the King back," and so they're going to have a real wrestling match. And in order to to do that, they have to get him to somebody, Sal Bandini, um, who's going to teach him real wrestling so he can win. That that's the whole premise of the thing, and and layer in all these other references to other stories that have occurred within the wrestling franchises, and and that's really what you got from a plot perspective. I mean, uh, instead of Burgess Meredith, you get you get Martin Landau, right? It's Rocky. Yeah, he's a bum. <laughs> wow, I'm, I just thought you would find what surprised me. I miss me. like I like I love nostalgia for the '90s like wrestling era because that was you know I grew up on that, and even that it's like the wrestling wasn't even really all that great, and there was enough of it. Like, I see again. We will. I, there wasn't enough wrestling. I agree yes. with you. If you're going to make a movie about wrestling and there's 15 minutes of wrestling in it, you've made a mistake. The little bit that they did have, even with the four post thing and the way they filmed it, um, it was better than I expected. I'm not saying it was a fantastic action choreography through and through and you got these amazing cuts to it. Um, but I just even the the stuff that Rey Mysterio was doing in there. And some some of the camera placement, I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, but I mean, they do this. They were doing this every week. They were putting on a wrestling show every week, and they couldn't do it in the movie. Like that's a mistake. I'm sorry did Did you forget that the guy who directed Norbit was directing this? (laughs) Yes, I I I should I should not expect good things from shit people. So. My favorite wrestling scene was actually the very first one at the gas station, I guess. And it's pretty much with Macho Man. Yeah, it's just a dream sequence, I guess, of David Arquette. But I think that set the tone of the movie for me because it was like you could tell it was fake, but it still had like that. Like drama that's not actually that serious um to it that actual wrestling does and i so, saw stone cold steve austin beat up booker t in a grocery store before so don't tell me it was fake okay there we go. <laughs> wow that really happened so i believe yeah. i believe it was booker t oh yeah by the way booker t the only black person in this movie by the way and they don't let him speak at all they were just like no stand over there whitest movie white movie wow you're you're really going after this thing. Now you're accusing the, Ready to Rumble of some racial injustice. I mean, that's the thing about wrestling is it's like you have so many different people who represent so many different things, and they barely touch on that in this movie. It's all white guys. It's 2000. I, I understand that. It's 20 years old. Wrestling, you have to, you but have wrestling to was very the, progressive. I agree with you, but I think for the film industry in 2000 and for the demographic that they were going for, you have to take this film in the context of the history it came out in. I know. Do you, you disagree? No, I'm just saying that, like, at the time, there was, you know, guys who were not white who were huge stars. I mean, Booker T was one of them. Oh, I don't, I don't disagree, but then we, we're going to get into this whole discussion then of go back 20 years and what movies were coming out of major comedies, studio comedies at $24 million. 
um, were they were were they going to be as progressive as the wrestling franchise at that time? No, I don't think so. I know. I just like so you can't you can't throw they were doing shade so well the film for that. They were doing so well on the actual wrestling side of it, but then to kind of turn away from that for the film to kind of whitewash it in a way. It's just disappointing because that's not what wrestling was at the time. No, I agree. But I mean, WCW, I think was a lot. It was a weird franchise at the time. I didn't really watch a lot of it. Well, this uh, was even, after like the NWO stuff. So it was like declining. Cause at one point in time it was Monday Nitro was like winning against raw and WCW was bigger for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it just all went downhill. This movie probably helped destroy WCW. This was the final nail in the coffin, I believe. So, yeah, there's no doubt. Getting Arquette involved into the WCW and having even that storyline play through that franchise, then Ready to Rumble comes out. David Arquette gets put as the face for this wrestling franchise for a little bit. And in an attempt to attract viewers, I think it pushed everything away. I mean, yeah. obviously it did because in 2001, the thing went belly up, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I, I think you're being way too harsh on this film. Um, I think you guys are being way too kind. So there, (laughs) I I don't think so at all. I I think this is one of those films that I would 100% say critically. It's not a good film. Cinematography. It's not a good film from a writing perspective. It's not a good film. Um, however, there's something about, and I have said it on how many times there's something about the performance of David Arquette really just channeling his David Arquette lunacy Mm -hmm into that character and having a ton of fun with it and his interaction with Scott Kahn and um, Oliver Platt worked for me. And I, I really like Oliver Platt in this film. I, I can't tell if he's totally committed to that Jimmy the King sort of boozing, trying to come out of the fog, um, or if he was just disinterested in collecting a paycheck. But either way, it's still a good performance. And Martin Landau looked like he was having a, a blast. Um, Rose, Rose McGowan, McGowan not not having not, a good time absolutely not but I love Arquette playing against that type because you could tell she's phoning it in and then Arquette shows up that's why that dinner scene is so great she is totally lifeless in it mm-hmm. um, and just reading her lines more or less and Arquette is trying to act all smooth and suave I mean he's he's eating Chinese food this weird way with the chopsticks where he's like stabbing, stabbing. everything when she comes out of the hospital it is like a dead man walking like it is she is like zombie like not caring it is embarrassing how she just going through the motions it's like how are you boy it well but in his response to that when you know he's acting like this hurt puppy dog and he's all crushed i think that highlights his performance when you have him playing against somebody who's so lifeless Mm -hmm. and and maybe he's not actually acting 11 he's just delivering a performance but because she's so horrible in it um it just highlights it i don't know i i could be totally crazy i don't think i am i really find this film incredibly funny after a certain point you got to get those three together on the road and then i think it's hysterical up to that point it's man child gross out humor take it or leave it there's some things that make me chuckle when they're sitting having lunch at the back of a septic tank and they're talking about their um wwkd breast you know bracelets while (laughs) You know, the septic is dripping out of the back. It's just, it's gross. And yet you kind of chuckle how weird it is that, you know, he's showing off his bracelet and David Arquette is all hurt because he doesn't have one. And he gets all excited when it, again, David Arquette sells this movie through and through. 
Alex, you, do you, do you want to elaborate yeah. any um, further? Because I, I don't. <laughs> I, I, Brad's done with this, Alex. I no, think this is just you and me. No, probably just me. No, Brad, I do have um, one point that I'm surprised you didn't like because it's incredible. But Jimmy King's rap song, were you a oh, fan? Good point, Alex. <laughs> Which one? I mean, I did he, get to hear "Old Dirty Bastard." In he, this. No, when he's rapping. Yeah, Jimmy King, his entrance is he oh, raps yeah. before. He... No, no, no. Yeah, that was that was the one thing I was like, not the, the run one DMC, thing. The um, Rum DMC was also another thing. It's like, mm-mm, mm-mm. come on, bro. Nope. So wow. I, I, I'd, I'd gotten that out of my mind, Alex, and now he just reminded <laughs> me of it. So Somebody uh, had must have done a four-post, I don't know, jump on your funny bone and just <laughs> smashed it, all its life out of it. I can't believe... Out of all of it, you're like, yeah, that Michael Bolton, Michael Bolton joke is pretty funny. I like, I like that one. Well, then, like anything else. And then, so we're going to kind of play a little game here, Troy. So then, I was trying to figure out because my favorite movie is Pulp Fiction, and Ready to Rumble might be one of my least favorite films. So it's like, oh my God. how, how does this film connect to Pulp Fiction? And I came up with three ways that this film connects to Pulp Fiction. Do you have... Hold on a second. So does every movie you watch, do you sit down and go... Absolutely, is it, yes. Is it six degrees of Pulp yes, Fiction? Yes, absolutely. So, whereas... It, it shouldn't everybody... be six. It should just be like, how does this directly relate to Pulp Fiction? So every film out there has to relate to Pulp no, Fiction? No, no. I'm just trying to look for that way. Okay, well, yeah. <laughs> thrill me on this one. Okay, you don't have any guesses at all? None. Okay, one, Jungle Boogie plays in both films. So okay. there you go. Yep. Uh, two, there are... Two siblings of David Arquette that are in Pulp Fiction. Rosanna Arquette, who plays Judy. Jody, sorry, plays Jody. The one with all the shit in her face. Yes. Alexis Arquette. At the time, I forget what her name was. She was not Alexis Arquette at the time. Plays the fourth man, also known as Hand Cannon Man. He, she comes out of the bathroom and shoots at Jules and uh, Vincent and misses. Kind of jump starts the whole Jules leaving the life. Yes. Very important character. Both sisters to David Arquette. There you go. That's fascinating, man. Yeah. <laughs> so you spent time going through that in your head and your Michael Bolton joke versus enjoying the film. Yes, absolutely. Nice. <laughs> Way wow. more enjoyable. <laughs> Alex. What I mean, any other thoughts on this thing? I mean, I, I feel like I'm I'm just I can't I can't get through on this. Um, how did I'm, you, I'm glad you liked it. How did you feel about David Arquette's, I guess, dad and his sister, like his family of cops? I thought it was oh, funny. What? Like he pull, he like walks in the room and just all the cops point guns at him. I was like, why why would you do that? But <laughs> I did I did like the line where he's like, "Oh, your sister shot her first perk yeah. today." <laughs> I th- thought that was funny. And then uh he touches like whenever he's doing a pat down, he just grabs the dude's balls and then later on in the movie he's like, "You're going to be a cop, no skimpy outfits and no touching other men." And I thought that was kind of ironic cuz he was literally <laughs> grabbing a dude's balls earlier in the movie. Yes. Yeah. Again, that that's this film has so much of that sort of um I don't know, I just down in the gutter humor. It it plays for broad laughs, but then it goes to this other place with I with I think some very funny lines. I I love when they're coming back from the whole wrestling match and he's 
trying to hide crying and they're talking about the allergies and he's and he's like yeah i hate these allergies these unfair bogus allergies they keep <laughs> going on and on about these allergies and yet they're bawling mm-hmm. uh i i find that to be quite funny but yeah i mean the whole cop thing it, i don't know if, if it works i chuckle um i i mean even the farting nun that whole nun sequence didn't really care for it when they when they're teaching them van halen and they get out of there and they're like oh hey did you know you smell that yeah yeah farting nuns and I'm, I'm sitting there like, okay, hurry up and get to Jimmy because as soon as they get to Jimmy, um, and even that whole sequence of them trying to get him out of the trailer when he's dressed up like a, a I don't know, a female or something to avoid all the creditors, that, that whole sequence is really funny. Even when he's telling them about, hey, you got to feel sorry for me because my parents are dead and blah, blah, blah. And they're like, um, hey, we met your parents. They're alive. And, and Jimmy's response is, oh, I am blessed. Yeah. <laughs> they have risen. I mean, Oliver Platt's performance in this is just really funny. Um, but again, I think that's where the movie really comes together. When it becomes a road movie, it's a blast. Everything leading up to that, it, it's okay. I mean, if, if you like Dumb and Dumber humor, it's right up your alley. Don't I'm, compare I, this to Dumb and Dumber, <laughs> please. I, it's it's up there, man. Um, I, I think you got to get to those three meeting up and, and it becomes a really, really funny film. I thought that there was going to be more on like him redeeming himself with his family, Jimmy King redeeming himself with his family. And at the end, like when he beats Diamond Dallas Page, they're like, hey, um, I think Goldberg's like, hey, do you want to team up? And he's like, no, I already have a teammate. I thought he was going to choose his son because his son was literally in the ring with him because he was like the surprise opponent. And I thought that'd be like a nice closure for the family. But then he just picks David Arquette. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's David Arquette. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense for the ending of the movie that the main character gets that. But well, And you don't don't take someone with braces to the dentist. You take (laughs) him to the orthodontist. Oh, my goodness, Brad. Wow. (laughs) Well, can we spend a minute? So, uh... This film obviously talks about David Arquette's love of wrestling. And there was a trailer that came out earlier in the year um, for a documentary about David Arquette called You Cannot Kill David Arquette. So as a as a quick refresher in 2000, he was the WCW World Heavyweight Championship and he held that title for 12 days. There was a pay-per-view or something called Slamboree, went in there, lost it. But for 12 days, David Arquette was the WCW World Heavyweight Championship. And as we've all talked about, um, his marketing stunt going into the WCW, uh, Ready to Rumble, everything of that nature, he loves wrestling. His father, um, who plays Jimmy King's father in the film, I believe did some voice work for the Hulk Hogan cartoon in the 80s. Mm-hmm. So there, there's a long uh, lineage of, of wrestling connection with Arquette. But early this year, documentary comes up, You Cannot Kill David Arquette. And the whole premise of it is Arquette is still kind of torn up over his treatment personally from the wrestling fans for what he did in the WCW. And so the whole premise of this documentary is he's going to go back and he is going to try and actually do wrestling. So in 2000, he didn't he didn't really work with anybody, didn't do anything from a training sequence. I know in the film, Scott Kahn talks about, you know, hey, he did his own stunt work for Ready to Rumble. I think um, in the commentary, 
they kind of joke with him and say, yeah, I thought your stunt double was um, John C., which I think they're referencing John Sentiempo or something. Um, but David Arquette was uh, did have a stunt double for Ready to Rumble, and um, it was WWE superstar Shane Helms was David Arquette's stunt double. So what's fascinating about this documentary was obviously Arquette torn up about his treatment, trying to kind of get into wrestling. And the most so hated decides, man in wrestling. Most dubs. hated man in wrestling <clears throat> at some point. And then decides, hey, I'm, I'm going to try and get back into it. So did either of you watch that documentary yeah. um, Absolutely. this week? Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. I got a feeling maybe Brad might come around a little bit on David Arquette. So um, I'll start with you, Brad. Let's just get it out of the way. No, I, I, I hated think, Ready. To, yes, I hated Ready to Rumble. the The documentary was actually very fascinating and and is an interesting view of a person trying to redeem themselves. Um, I respected David Arquette maybe after I saw it, um, trying to wrong or right what was once wronged, um, because I you know you could see how fans would turn on him because um, it was kind of crappy. Like you said, Hollywood can't come into wrestling and become the champion um, and have the fans like turn on him. Now that was 20 years ago. And these people were still like on him and still hate him to this day. I'm like, it's 20 years ago. WCW doesn't even exist anymore. Let's let it go. But he found the need to like, you know, really go at it and become a wrestler. And there's times when I was watching this, I'm like, he's going to kill himself. He's going to die. Absolutely. Um, He almost did. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, so I I, I thought the documentary was leaps and bounds better than Ready to Rumble. And it was fascinating looking at someone, again, like the redemptive story. But this is like a real redemptive story, not some, you know, movie. It's a documentary. I mean, this, this happened. So I really enjoyed it a lot. I'm glad... I watched the documentary afterwards. It kind of helped salvage my movie watching week. So (laughs) there. (laughs) All right, Alex, what what did you think about it? Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Um, I like how it gives you the um, like process of becoming a wrestler. Cause I don't know. It's not like movies. Like we talked about, like David Arquette, son of someone famous. So, you know, he just gets his in. Um, but like all these wrestlers is kind of sad. Like they're doing it in their backyard and like 10 people come and show up and they're like getting hurt. But, um, so I thought that was cool. It was hard to watch at times because he gets so beat up. Um, I almost turned it off. Like I'm fine with gore, but it was just someone like putting themselves through that intentionally and like his doctors and his family all saying like, Hey, you shouldn't do this. Um, I don't know. It made me sad watching it, seeing like what he was putting himself through. And it kind of made me realize like he's probably been going through that emotionally for 20 years now. And so now if like, he's just used to that pain. Now it's just physical. So he's getting past it. I, you guys nail it. It feels like watching therapy, watching mm-hmm. somebody go through their therapy and at the beginning of the film, I mean, he's in his late 40s. He has uh, physiological issues. He just had a heart attack. Um, he drinks. He smokes. He is, I, There's that sequence where they put him in the hospital, and I can't remember the drug they're trying to use on him, but it's something that 
you know, psychiatrists will use w- when people have these peaks and valleys within their behavior. And it and it's so sad to watch because mm-hmm. his wife is is in there helping him out. And he's really trying to just keep his balance. He makes this, you know, comment about he's a carny at heart and he's got all of this unbridled energy and he doesn't know what to do with it. But when something affects him in such a way, which obviously this WCW thing back 20 years ago, he's carrying around with him. You can see it. It it really just took a toll on him mentally, physically, the whole nine yards. Mm-hmm. And when you're watching this film, I was shocked at how transformative him going to Mexico and working with the Lucha Libres to learn wrestling, to start from the bottom and work his way up to the independent circuit. I mean, this is a guy that physically, I mean, even his doctor was saying, hey, you really shouldn't be doing this. You're going to have internal bleeding problems. You're on all this medication, et cetera. But by the end of the film, I mean, there, there's so much risk and so much at stake for him just learning all this stuff. You really think there are a couple of sequences where, okay, he's going to die. Mm-hmm. Especially the most famous one that kind of made all the news that everybody was talking about where he got cut um, on his neck. Uh, and, I mean, that that was scary to watch. Mm-hmm. That, this He, like, starts to leave, too. And then he comes in and like finishes the match, and that's when I was just like, "What are you doing? Like, just get out of there! Like, you could die from this." It could, but it goes to prove that he knew he had to make a choice. Mm-hmm. He could leave, go to the hospital, but if he did that, nobody's going to take him serious yeah. because all he was hearing is about the pain and everything that a wrestler has to go through to get to that point. Mm-hmm. So he gets injured badly in that match and he's ready to walk out but then he decides i'm going to go in there i'm going to finish it and the amount of respect everybody gives him for that that's exactly what he's looking for Mm -hmm. i think it was that moment where he understands what he's searching for and while the media and everything is beating him up and he's laying in the hospital bed watching um extra or whoever it is joe rogan just you know slamming him etc he's sitting there and he's very comfortable with the fact that he stuck with it knowing that's what a real wrestler would have done. Mm-hmm. And he got to that point. And I, I don't know, I I find it to be, if we were ranking all of our films that we've seen this year, and granted, this has been a light year with COVID <laughs> and everything that's come out, but um, I don't know, even if this were you know a regular release year for films and everything else, this would probably sit in a top 10 for me. I really love this film. It's my favorite documentary of the year. It, absolutely, hands yeah. down. Um, I was <laughs> that whole sequence of when he goes down to Mexico and he's learning all those moves and they're starting to get frustrated with him because he just can't get that one. Um, I don't know what you call it, like leg kick or twirl. And when he finally nails it, all of a sudden they start to respect him a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then he goes out into the street and does all the street wrestling. I, th- I found that to be one of the most fascinating things. I had, n- had no idea that when you're working at that level, you go out to the highways of Mexico and you practice wrestling in the street and then go car to car asking for money. Mm-hmm. That was crazy to me. And he earned so much respect. You know, the the whole culture of, of that wrestling is you never see the wrestler's face. Mm-hmm. You know, the the and for somebody to take their mask off, give it to him. I, I almost teared up because Arquette is tearing up because he knows. You, t- how you cried, that Troy. Is. Troy, I've known you for a long time. You cried. 
A little, but there were some strong onions coming from the kitchen and my allergies, my stupid, unfair, (laughs) bogus allergies were acting up. Because even me, you know me, it was kind of like, oh, this is a really touching part. So I I knew when I was like, oh man, this is kind of pulling out my heartstrings a little bit. I'm like, Troy must have cried like a baby. Didn't cry like a baby. It was allergies (laughs) at that time and my eyes got puffy. That's it. But it was, it was amazing. I I can't recommend this film enough. I, I feel like Ready to Rumble, I get it. You you really have to, I don't know. It, it, a lot of people may, have never seen it, are going to check it out, and are going to hate me for going, go watch it. Yeah. I, th- I think it's still funny. But if you want the safe bet, and you want to go after and see David Arquette, and find probably one of the best documentaries I've seen in years, not just this year, but in years, you, you've got to go check out, you cannot kill David Arquette. It's fantastic. I will say I did find one thing kind of weird about it though. His new wife. Yeah. Looks yeah. exactly like Courtney. Yeah, it's Courtney. <laughs> At first I was like, wait, Courtney Cox got a bunch of like plastic surgery and looks weird, but that's still Courtney Cox. I'm like, wait, no, they got divorced a long time ago. That is not Courtney Cox. Yeah, and Courtney Cox shows up in the documentary yeah, yeah. and talks about it. His whole family's there. And, you know, uh, his wife is <laughs> – she is interesting, too, in terms of her background and career and everything that she did um, leading up to meeting David Arquette, getting married, et cetera. She's a fascinating individual. Um, she's gorgeous. So is Courtney Cox. Man, I, I hope if I can – it might I don't know. I, I don't know what's wrong. I didn't get the right genes. In my late forties I look nothing like some of these people that you see in Hollywood, so something's going wrong. It's millions of dollars, Troy. <laughs> no, it's not. Okay. It's all real. <clears throat> we know that. Um yeah, what what else, man? Um uh, are are we ready to Yeah, okay. Brad Cheney said. Okay, so I'm gonna start with you, Alex. Okay, well, let's get this out of the way. You cannot kill David Arquette. Definitely not a bomb. Can we all agree on that one? Absolutely. Okay, so that is our heavy recommendation. If you Mm -hmm. skip seeing anything that we've talked about, and even our recommendations for favorite wrestling movies, skip all of that and go watch this documentary. You cannot kill David Arquette. Cannot stress that enough. But movie at hand, it's not an easy watch. Sometimes, yeah, it isn't. But it's it's fantastic. Okay, and um, if your allergies act up, don't worry about it. Um. But let's talk about Ready to Rumble from 2000, directed by Brian Robbins. Alex, I'm going to start with you. Um, obviously, it was a financial bomb. It was uh, critically just raked over the cool coals. But um, for the purposes of So Bad It's Good, Turkey Month at uh, our podcast, what are your thoughts on Ready to Rumble? Is it a bomb? It is not a bomb. And I got a crisp 20 going to whoever directs a sequel. <laughs> wow those bold words yeah. i'll back your 20 up alex that's 40 dollars to the person who does the sequel yeah i'm ready to we go. need it all right brad not a bomb uh no this movie is an absolute bomb <laughs> this is the worst movie we've done <clears throat> you're so you're so wrong okay you're so wrong this is one of the best so i'm gonna say it's not a bomb because obviously I'm back in Alex's 20 bucks up. We got $40 in the kitty right now um, for the Kickstarter for Ready to Rumble 2 Electric Boogaloo. I'm ready to go. Re- ready, Readier to rumble? Readier to rumble. See, there you go. 
Brad, you can work on marketing for us. <laughs> you can't because you don't like this film. So we're not we're not getting you involved in the sequel. We don't want to hear you. Complain. <laughs> and we're and 100% when it gets made, we're putting zero pulp fiction references in it. Of course. Zero. Of course. Yeah. So you can't play your little game. Uh well that was fun. I you know, I do let me ask you this, Brad. Ready to rumble, how zoo or Dario Gento's Inferno? Because those are the three films that I've heard you just absolutely hate. If you were forced to watch one of those again, what would it be? Probably Ready to Rumble. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Well, so I feel pretty good. So it's not Ready to yeah. Rumble beats out How Zoo and Argento. Okay. See, I'm happy. That's good. That's all good. I needed. I'm glad. <laughs> um. You want to talk about next week's pick? I would love to talk about next week's pick. Next week's pick on the movie poster, Troy, it goes Cage, Cusack, Malkovich, Con Air, 1997. Uh, Simon West directed. Um, now, huge box office success with this say, one. It was, it was definitely not a bomb financially. But uh, critically... This movie is uh, maybe one of the dumbest movies you'll ever see, but uh, yeah, it's Con Air. We all we've all heard about it. We all know about it. Cyrus the virus is ready to invade our podcast next week. Interesting pick. So this this is your pick for the next turkey. Art just in terms of thinking about this going into it. Uh, when was the last time you saw it? Oh, actually, it's been within the last six months. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. So you've seen it recently. Yeah. Uh, so a little behind the scenes, um, when we started working home from you know, quarantine, um, every once in a while, I'll have to just like go run. And so I'll just get on our treadmill. We have a TV kind of in that area. And of course, you know, Con Air is just easy to watch. So that's just one of the ones where like, okay, the next two days, I'm just going to watch Con Air while I run. So that's kind of, I've been going through a lot of movies that way just because, you know, I'll go insane. Uh, just running a place for an hour. So Conair literally was not even that long ago. Wow. I, I can't wait to Alex, watch it again. Have you seen it? No, I haven't, but I'm excited <sighs> to watch it. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, you're going to have to to text us or write us and tell your, tell us your thoughts on it after you watch okay, it. Okay, I will. I'm I'm really curious. I'm, I'm curious to actually hear somebody who's never seen Conair before in an age where Nicolas Cage is at, where he's at right now from a career perspective. So that's it. Because Con Air, I remember seeing it in the theaters, uh, seeing it a couple times. And I, I remember my thoughts on it, but I'm, I haven't seen it in years. And I'm really curious to go back and watch it, given um, really where Nicolas Cage has gone with his acting career and personal life and stuff like that. So that, that, that will be kind of interesting. Yeah. We have to go through his filmography. It's interesting. <laughs> that will be a long one if we start talking about his films. Um, Alex, I can't thank you. I'm so glad I had a tag team partner in this match <laughs> against Brad because there was no way I was going to go one on one with this guy um, when he gets worked up about something. But tell everybody a little bit how they can hear more um, from Alex McAllister and all the films that you're discovering. Yeah, um, so just check out Friends with Cinefits. Pretty much anywhere that you can find Not a Bomb, you can find Friends with Cinefits. And yeah, it's just me kind of 
having a friend on each week, they pick the movie and then we just watch it and kind of talk about it. I don't have the depth of knowledge that you guys have with your years of experience is how I'll put it. <laughs> That's very nice. Um, you just called us. Oh, no, years you. of yeah, experience. Um, All right. So, Alex, have you seen Pulp Fiction before? Yes. Love it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So I'm is there just, any Tarantino film you haven't seen? I don't think so. Okay. Yeah, I think he's seen them all. Yeah. Good. Good for you. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if anybody even wants to be on, then they can email me, friendswithcinefits at gmail.com. Um, I don't have many friends, so anyone can be on and just talk about any movie that you like. Yeah, I can't believe – I'm just going to put this out here. I can't believe you asked Angel. She's yeah. going to be on in December, and you haven't asked Brad or I. Oh. That, that cuts It's deep, an yeah. open invitation to both of you. Right, yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, what kind of movie – so I, I listen to it every week. You want to give everybody who hasn't discovered it, what kind of films have you talked about so far? Um, so you had a really good run on the, scoop, the, the Spooky October. That was awesome. Yeah, for spooky movies, we did The Shining. That was my favorite episode to do because the other two people didn't like it. So is me trying awesome. to convince them. Um, we did Hereditary by Ari Aster, and next week we'll actually be doing Midsummer, which is my favorite movie. Um, wow! I don't think it's the best movie, but it's my favorite. Um, you like then, when they bash that old man's head against the rock, right? Of course, is that your I favorite do. part. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> it's fun for everybody. Yeah, and then we've done stuff like Little Women, What's Eating Gilbert Grape, The Gladiator. So. Um, just a wide range of movies and I'm excited to see what else comes up. Yeah. And a little, I, I think you talked about uh, scream, right? Yeah. That yeah. was, how'd that go? It was called good. it middle of the road or something. I don't <laughs> no, know. That, sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Brad, if uh, anybody wants to, um, I don't know, write to us and tell you how wrong you are and maybe do a email that is the equivalent of a four post massacre, on your thoughts on um, I can't, Ready to Rumble? Do, do you really do you really think that someone is going to take the time to uh, come at me about Ready to Rumble? Maybe someone will. I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm I'm curious. I really want to find somebody who loves this film as much as me and Alex. I mean, I feel like Alex and I are on our own little island, yeah. the David Arquette Island, which is fantastic. If David Arquette was there, we would have a blast. But um, somebody's out there. Somebody out there that listens has to have the same affection we do for this film. Yeah. But if they if they want to tell both Alex and I how wrong we are, how would they do that? Uh, so all of our social stuff is uh, not a bomb pod, um, Facebook not a bomb podcast, um, not a bomb podcast at gmail.com for questions comments. Um, yeah, I'd really love to hear if people. Uh, if Nick has, you know, submitted this to Criterion or something like that, um, God, I still can't get over that. I love that. I love the fact that someone wrote to Criterion over and over until they basically told him to shut up about submitting a movie. So um, that was the Beast, right? The Beast. Yes, which okay. we're gonna do yeah, in, in January. January. Um, yeah. So that's all of our stuff, Alex. I appreciate you coming on. Um, I'm sorry that I had to get mean and say bad things about movies that you, you liked, but you know, no, whatever. thank you for letting me join and for helping me start my podcast. And Brad, I'm sorry that we disagreed on yet another movie. I know. I know. I'll have, we'll have to figure out one we like, and then I, I'll come on and talk about it nicely. There we go. No, these are my favorite. 
When you get worked up, Brad, those those are my favorite um, reviews. I hate playing into the stereotype because people tell me I don't like things, and then I don't like things. So, <laughs> no, you like lots of stuff as long as it has a some type of six degrees of separation of Pulp Fiction. You're gonna like it. You knew mostly like, after this movie was over, you were like, "Brad's gonna hate this." You kn- oh, I knew you were gonna yeah. hate this. Yeah. <laughs> when I watched it again, I'm like, "Wow, this is gonna be fun." <laughs> I I really I I was kind of hoping that it would be the Haozu Inferno level, which I, I kind of think it was. Yeah. Because that's still my favorite episode that we did from um, Movie Matchup, The Pretension. I listen to that often because <laughs> you just you, you really were down on life at that point. And not, not saying that as one of your best friends, I like to put you in that position. It's just I really like it when you get worked up and, and super critical about a film. I, I, I love to hear your passion. That's that's all. That's what I'm about. Yeah, and we got a dose of it tonight. Yeah. So. <laughs> Um, yeah, and anybody, again, I can't say this enough. We've been adding to the list. Um, we've got some movies planned, uh, for the rest of Turkey Month. If you're playing along, you know, jump in, watch Con Air. We've got a couple more lined up for November. We'll actually do five turkeys, yeah. uh, this month, right? Just yep. the way the month goes, because we record on Sunday night. I get then, three picks this month. You get three picks. Um, but if you have a recommendation for us, if there's a movie that you want to champion, and have us talk about it, you know, let us know, send it to the, to the email or go to our website. And we've got a way you can contact us, um, that way as well. But uh, as always, we thank you so much for downloading and listening to us. Don't know if you're listening in the morning, afternoon, or evening. I hope you're having an awesome day, Alex, you're coming back on soon. We'll pick another one that we know Brad doesn't like, and we'll just beat him up. Right. How's that sound? Yep. And you guys are always welcome on Friends with Cinephiles. You know the first movie that we're going to talk about if I show up, it's going to be Jackie Chan related. Great. Love it. Okay. <laughs> and Brad will pick something Tarantino related. We'll no. play into our stereotypes. Yeah. Guys. All right. Blast, man. Thank you and have a nice day, Troy. <laughs> See you guys. Thank you.